Hey everybody and welcome to episode 83 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. This is my final episode for a few months. I am about to have a baby. Um, I'm taking a few months off. I'm going to leave all of you in the Metallicast Monday show with some new content though. Uh, Starting in the month of September, you will get one or two new episodes a month featuring friends of mine guest host coming on filling in for me taking over metallicast i'm calling it metallicast my friends of misery so be on the watch out for that i'm hoping i'm going out with a bang here for my final episode for a few months i will return whether you want me to or not uh, i'm joined by returning guest nick makoviak he is a superb artist and he is coming on to discuss with me the album covers we're doing all the studio records we stayed away from live albums and garage inc and lulu but the 10 studio recordings from kill em all through hardwire self-destruct we discuss break down and give our two cents on each album cover and what those album covers at least in our humble opinions have to do with the music on said albums. So let's jump into it. Here's my conversation with Nick Makoviak about Metallica album covers. And remember, Metallica's My Friends of Misery, starting in September. My guest today is no stranger to Metallicast. He's been on several times before. In fact, he was one of my earliest guests back in year one. And if, it's hard to believe, but I'm coming up on four years this winter. Very hard to believe. But it's not about me. It's all about him. It's always about him. No, I'm just kidding. Welcome back to Metallicast. The one, the only of uh, my fellow Metallica brother in arms, my fellow teaching brother in arms artist extraordinaire mr nick makoviak nick welcome back sir always always welcome to be back Am I, now how many times is richard he be on the show are we oh I'm, i must be it must be well he's probably been on more than i i gotta be honest with you at this point he has left everybody else in the dust he is i would imagine he is double digits at this point you know <laughs> he old reliable Richard is what I call him because he's always good for a conversation, very knowledgeable. And when I say, Richard, you want to record tonight? He's like, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. (laughs) So, uh, God bless him. And, uh, here's to a dozen more with him, but Nick, that just means you have to play catch up. Now you have to try to play catch up. 
Uh, it's going to be hard to. I, mean, uh, I don't must- know. Well, oh, I got a job. The school year's starting up. Oh, I got a young daughter. Oh, oh, yeah, the excuses are piling in already. I know. Uh, I know. Only work three jobs six days a week. <laughs> you know, work. Yeah, like I don't. I don't have enough things to do in my life. I'm like, yeah, let me go bullshit for two and a half hours when I should. I'm like, we're already approaching my bedtime right now. Are you kidding me? I have to run tomorrow morning at like five a.m. Well, I appreciate uh, you taking the time because this is a very busy time for us both. We are recording yeah. this. The school year is about to start. We both have daughters uh, basically the same age. I think that if I recall, they're just like a, a few months apart. Yeah, mine mine just turned 17 months a couple days ago. Yeah, mine yeah. will be uh, minus 22 months. So literally just a few yeah. months apart. Um, yeah. So we are both in the thick of uh fatherhood and starting the school year and if you checked out the last episode nick was on i i loved our conversations i titled the episode birth school metallica death because it, it not only is that a classic metallica catchphrase or slogan or whatever you want to call it uh but it, it was a perfect summary of our conversation talking about you know the struggles of teaching in COVID 19 and becoming a father for the first time and how Metallica kind of fits into all of that or, and sometimes it just does not fit into any of it. Um, before we started recording, I was just telling Nick how, uh, I, several months back, I realized that I'm truly a father cause I was on my way to daycare to pick up my daughter and blasted Metallica. And, and I was like, you know, I'm not sure I should pull into the daycare parking lot blasting fight fire with fire scaring the teachers scaring the parents scaring all those cute little babies my daughter would be used to it but you know you know i gotta i gotta you know be a a mature adult at times so i turn it down to conservative volume i go get my daughter she's all cute she's babbling away i put her in the car seat we're drove we drive away metallica's still playing she goes bus wheels on the bus instantly on metallica is done and that is the rest of my car ride. I went from going fight fire with fight to wheels on the bus go round. And fortunately, I am an elementary music teacher, so I'm, it's not that foreign to me. But um, and I, I I do have a good ability to turn it on and off. But that's but I think that's a good uh story that a lot of people can relate to. Nick, I'm sure you have similar stories of like um, you know. Have you have you drawn anything for your daughter? You're such a talented artist, or anything influenced um, by your daughter, or you just have zero time to do art outside of work. Now? I mean, honestly, there's a lot of things that I would like to do, right? But again, course. like you're saying, like it's energy wise, like yeah. What was the last time I was on the show? Was it last year? This year? I don't. I can't fucking it was, remember. Anything. It was that episode I mentioned, which I mean, that was like in the. Th- thick of it all like i want to say that was maybe if covid started in march we must have done that maybe last summer it's been a while i can't yeah, I, I it all it all blends in since i've been a father it's already. been a blur and yeah. covid has not helped <laughs> yeah i mean ironically enough like last summer i was actually fairly busy doing like album cover work and um cover for a novel and this year actually working with um one of my former students 
is now like she started her own rock band. Oh, nice. And it's an old girl, like hard rock, heavy metal rock band. Oh. And they asked me about like, hey, can you like work with, can you do some artwork for us? You know, like some t-shirt designs or whatever. Excuse me. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll get to that when I can, which is kind of like the answer for, excuse me, for all the things now. It's like yeah. when I can, when I have time to work. Really, it's like I was explaining to my, my friend G. He has his own podcast not metallica related it's an art podcast and he was you know t- asking me about like how i'm able to do all like balance like being like a father and a teacher and an artist and like you don't yeah. you know there's some something has a fall you know yeah. you can't serve two masters so art unfortunately has been like the thing that yeah. has suffered the most outside of like you know like mental health and physical health and whatever yeah. but uh as far as like inspired by her I mean, she loves Frozen and all things Frozen and Moana. Yeah. So doing a lot of Disney work, you know, a lot of Olaf, a lot of um, Teika, a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, Elsa, a lot of, you know, stuff like that. You know, like to me, it's it's not that hard for me to switch from going and listening to like Damage Incorporated to um, <laughs> Let It Go, Yeah, you know, because like it's that's what she wants that's what she you know that's what she wants like you know i'm not gonna not gonna falter for having me maybe less desirable musical (laughs) taste i can't falter she's a year and a half old i mean she'll you know she'll eventually you know you can falter when she's 17 years not 17 months right you know then then it's like kenzie what the fuck you know yeah right um why aren't we listening to like you know master of puppets right now Instead of like whatever the fuck's going to be out in like in that time, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But you know, a lot of that is again like I've been doing a, a lot more just doodling, sketching, painting, getting back into it. Just really not putting the pressure on myself, which I was for a while. Like you got to make things, you got to make things, you got to make things. You know, it's like I've been experimenting, but different different materials, techniques. Whenever I have time for it, you know, I'll get to it. And, you know, I find that's actually been much better for me. Just like, I'll doodle here, I'll doodle there. I actually had talked to one of my writer friends. We were working on a, like a comic project, which like everything else was kind of put to the, you know, you know, on the back burner, not necessarily because of of me per se, but he actually ended up getting a book deal. He was writing, so he's writing a book. So, so, you know, it's like all those things, there are many projects that I want to get to yeah. and I should get to. It's just a lot of it's just wrapping my head into you know, around it and figuring out sure. what I want to, where I want to go with it. But yeah, you know, when it happens, it happens. Yeah. Well, that's where I am. Like you said, you said some things some need things. to give, right? So like for me, this podcast is like my one outlet that I kind of commit to, but my wife is literally about to give birth like any day now to baby number two and we're doing the old irish twins i guess and uh so it this is actually the last episode i'm doing for a while because i'm gonna have full-time work gonna have my wife gonna have my almost two-year-old daughter i'm gonna have a newborn at home i gotta take time to figure out how to juggle all that that needs to be my priority. 
Um, you know, the newborn is not going to be any kind of sleep schedule. Uh, they're not going to care about the fact that daddy wants to record a podcast. So I'm taking at least a few months off. I'm going to still putting out new content, uh, Metallicast, my friends of misery, I'm calling it. I'm going to do one or two episodes a month where it's just, you're going to hear my voice at the beginning. You're not going to hear me again for the rest of the episode. It's just going to be a, a friend of the show coming in, recording their two cents about Metallica, recording a personal Metallica story, whatever it is. Um, so I'm going to give out something new like once or twice a month, but it's going to be like almost zero work for me. And uh, I, I'm just going to take a step back because like you said, some things have to give, you know, and uh, hopefully in the by the new year, I can kind of ease my way back into it and then, but you, I, you know, as uh, with our daughters being such similar ages, you know, when until you do that sleep draining, there's, you know, you, you there's really, no sleep. You, there's no sleep for you. You have no like time to yourself. Once they sleep through the night, you can, you know, carve out a couple hours to do things you need to do, do one or two things you want to do. Maybe watch a TV show that everybody's been talking about for the last six months that you have not had any time for, you know? But, yeah, exactly. But until that happens your life is at a standstill, which is how it should be, I think. But, yeah, you know, some something has to be sacrificed along the way. <laughs> right, right. You know, like you were saying before, like, I know, like, when my daughter wakes up and when she goes to bed, now she's getting to the point where she's going down to one nap a day. Yeah, I got it. So, like, I'll, so, like, I'll, like, I'll run four days a week and when i run i wake up at like 4 30 to run at five when it's not you know like the like the surface of the sun outside trying to run <laughs> so at least like all right i'll get my run in for the day that i can like cool down and shower and you know like or i then like go to work or whatever and then yeah she'll go then she'll you know, go to go down at like 7 15 mm-hmm. you know at night and then that's I'm basically just then up until my body's like mm, no you're going down. Yeah. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny, the the other the other month we had some friends over who we just got a fire pit for our backyard. So we were up to like eleven PM. I'm like, this is dangerous. Holy shit. I'd <laughs> it had been probably almost I don't know, like a year mm-hmm. since I had stayed up that late. And let me tell you, I was fucking wrecked the following like two days. I'm like, how do people do this? Like, how do people stay up so late? Even staying up to like 10 o'clock can be, can get, can get dicey, you know? Yeah. So I know during the summer, July 4th, we had a couple neighbors over. We did like a cookout and the beer was flowing like wine that day. It was just like beer after beer after beer after beer, like you know, doing this, doing that, cooking food, taking care of my daughter, drinking the beer, and, and, and repeat. And then before I know it, it's midnight. I like force myself to go to bed because I'm drunk, and then I wake up the next morning and I'm like just so exhausted, just so tired, and yeah. my daughter does not care nor should she care nor is it her problem that i decided to have fun the day before and now i'm tired so i have to ignore that fact 
be my usual self so I can give her a day that she deserves with her parents. And mm-hmm. once she goes to bed, you know, the same as your daughter around 7, 7.15, she's down for the night. I just, like, crashed. <laughs> I'm like, I, <laughs> I, I am, like, done. I am dead to the world. I am useless. I can, but it's one of those days where, like, you know, pre-daughter, no big deal. I'm on the sofa all day in AC watching Netflix. Yeah, yep. that's that's not an option. <laughs> that's not an option. And I was like, I, I go, that was like not even worth it. That was not even worth it. it yeah, a lot of it begins to change. You know, yeah. like, like for me, like well, when she was born, like I had I struggled a lot with teaching. You know, like, like we said before, like I developed a lot of very unhealthy habits. Yeah. You know, which luckily, like, one of the coping was, like, dealing, you know, was, uh, I got friendly with Jack Daniels and mm-hmm. Evan Williams, you know, quite, quite a bit. But what I would say, though, like, I would at least wait until she was in bed. Yeah. You know, or, like, it had settled down. But, I mean, yeah, things like that, you just go, well, yeah, it's, it's not worth it. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have this Oktoberfest and that's it. Yeah. Done. I know. Whereas back in the day, oh yeah, you know, eight beers, ten beers, not a <laughs> not a problem. Yeah. You know, now it's like, whew, like oof, got two. Yeah. Oh man. Well, my my wife and I always talk about like you know, pre kids would be like, oh, it's it's a Tuesday night. We should obviously go out to dinner, and then dinner is like you know, you have six beers, and then you know, you're just that's like your Tuesday night. And now it's like we've not been out in two years. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Nor do we have any desire to. You know, it's like I, I I lived that life for many years of like eating whatever I want, drinking whatever mm-hmm. I want. Now it's time to be an adult and yeah, you know, be there for my girl. But um, oh yeah, always great to talk parenthood with Nick. But that's not the reason you're here this time. Mr. McCool. No, are we t- are we talking about this like band? Yeah, we, right? I, rubber, so, or rubber band. This is um, oh come on, I was laying for that joke. Band. <laughs> hey, come did come on, Brandon, that was such a fucking layup. Come on, you know you know why that jokes. You know it, it took me a moment because in my head, I was gearing up for my Dave Mustaine impression. <laughs> no, we, we got to retire that. That's just. <laughs> That's just terrible. <laughs> uh, so I was going to say, I've actually, since the last we've been on, I've rebranded. It's now, you know, Megadeth cast. But I guess we're the oh, rubber yeah. band cast now. So dad rubber joke Rubber is a cast. good band. Yeah. 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 Dad joke cast. That would actually be a great podcast. Just a oh, podcast my God. all my, dad jokes. My, my coworker, Chris, is a gym teacher. He collect. he purposely collects bad dad jokes and like we we like like that's his shtick so i don't i don't want to steal it but the kids know that i like to tell like bad puns and bad jokes yeah so i gave him like two of my favorite ones so now if you've heard these don't stop me because these are these are so bad they're great so the first one's state related what did delaware i don't know what a new jersey (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I uh, um, 
I spent ah. a lot of uh, the school year during COVID looking mm-hmm. up like lame like riddles and jokes to tell oh, yeah. the kids, and uh, their reaction is always like, "Oh, that's mad corny! Like that's stupid! You got any more?" Like they love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like they're like I, I have I did have one kid. I was going through the whole the whole spiel at the end of the year because I just didn't give a fuck anymore. I'm like, it, we're done. Like. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not teaching anymore. Like I'm just gonna tell you know, like dad jokes for like a month. <laughs> One kid was like, he had his hands in front of his shoes. He's like literally crying. He's like, Mister Macobia, can you please stop? Like, he's like, these are just I can't take them. I'm like, oh, because they're just so good. He's like, no, they're so bad. <laughs> and then what made it even better was I would do like the obnoxious fake laugh afterwards, like like. <laughs> <laughs> crack, crack myself up and the kids are like what the, what the fuck is wrong with you i used like, to what? tell them i go if you laugh at my jokes you get an automatic a and they would all take themselves oh, off God. mute on zoom like <laughs> and it when you have 30 kids doing that at the same time it just sounds like the most possessed thing oh yeah <laughs> but yeah we had, uh, we had uh, a lot of riddles like um Oh, what, why, what, what, something like how many months have 28 days? All of them. All of them, right? But the kids would be like, oh, one February. (laughs) February is the only month that has 28 days in it. Uh, Or or like Mr. Brown lives in a brown house. Mr. Pink lives in a pink house. Mr. Red lives in a red house. Who lives in the White House? The president. What? I don't don't get it. What two things can you never eat for dinner? Breakfast and lunch. There you go. See, see, we're on the same page here. But uh, the kids are like, oh, pizza, pizza, <laughs> it's like hot dogs, glass, <laughs> stones, dog shit. Yeah, those, yeah. those are all fine for, you for eat, dinner. You eat shit for breakfast? <laughs> Happy hey, Gilmore reference. Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Um, now the reason you are here is to talk about this band, not Rubber Band, but this iconic. Some might label them thrash. I label them metal. One of the big four. I'm talking about Megadeth. Ooh, see, I had to work oh, it. I had to oh work God. it. Oh God! I had to work it. No, we're here to talk about, of course. Metallica, because this is Metallica's the Metallica podcast. Not to be confused with the Metallica podcast, which I haven't heard yet. By the way, Ep- I know it's on. I just haven't heard it yet. I have heard episode one, which is the only one out at the time we're recording this. It is good. It is good. Okay. Uh, I mean, it, it is high quality. I think they probably should have just come on here and told the story rather than do their own thing with Amazon. Like, who are they? Who are they? Who, who they that's like some nothing company that's not going to go anywhere they deserve high class major league stuff like fans not experts but you know whatever their choice their their funeral they if they want to be uh you know the the second best metallica podcast behind metal up your podcast they can yeah behind clinton ethan um yeah it was so funny when they announced that on uh online and uh 
there were people saying, why did you not call it Metallicast? And then fortunately, people were like, oh, it's already taken. It's already a podcast. And I was like, oh, at least somebody answered. At least somebody answered. <laughs> the worst was when like nobody would answer. I'm like, I, nobody just knows I'm here. No, but nobody knows. I'm just. Well, well now they way. do. But now they but do. Now they gosh do. darn it. Well, anyways, we're not here to talk about Metallica podcasts because we're not going to get that meta, right? This is not that kind of episode. We're here to talk about the album covers of the Mighty Metallica. And I thought this would be, you know, I, I like to talk about art, artists, when Nick is on, because that is his expertise. He can, he I can talk about an album cover about how badass it is, and I will at certain times during this episode. But you can approach it from a different standpoint because you know what you're talking about. I pretend like I know what I'm talking about every single episode of this podcast. But you actually that's a good know what teacher. You're about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a good teacher. Just pretend. Yes. Yeah. If you here, all right. For those of you, if anybody's listening and you want to be a teacher, all you need to be able to do is bullshit. Pretty much. And all high school and college taught me was the art of bullshitting. Pretty much. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you have to write a paper in college, you bullshit it. You don't you don't have to actually do the work. You just bullshit it. And guess what? A's B's baby. A's and B's. Uh, just, this is a uh, disclaimer. You know what we're actually saying here on the Metallica podcast. <laughs> the Metallica is actually, you know, not be verified by any source. So it's just the opinions of those in the podcast themselves. <laughs> Legal disclaimer, all done. But yes, being a teacher, you actually to um, kind of dovetail off that a little bit. It's funny how with the, like us, the specials, yeah. the kids actually expect us to actually know what we're doing and talking yeah. about. I can't tell you how many times in the last time I, I don't even know how long I've been at this at this game for, um, you know, like you get more credibility when kids find like your Instagram account and like your old DV, my old deviant art and whatever. They're like, you're an actual artist. You, yeah. Wow. You're actually really good at drawing. And it gives you a lot more credibility with the kids and the students, you know, as far as like, Oh, like if I tell you to change the color to fucking red, you change the fucking red <laughs> or, or whatever. Get rid of that line or, yeah. you know, burn your fucking project down, you know, and yeah. start over again. Yeah. But, you know, it's just yeah, one of those funny things where like you the art of bullshitting, though, is definitely a big, big part of it. Yeah. Because if you, if you have to sell something that you're not really particular, like you personally are not, are not into, but it's like curriculum or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or like a school policy, it's like you have to sell it. Yeah, and you're not like when I mean like by bullshitting isn't like you're lying to someone and right. saying like what you're doing is like you're almost you're convincing them to buy into what you know what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to sell it. You have to be like a performer. You have yeah, to you be are. an entertainer. You know, I cannot just you know, stand in front of a class and be my normal boring podcast personality. I have to put on a show for these kids. And, uh, but it, you know, that's, and, and there's a lot of planning and a lot of work that goes into it. It's not all bullshit. I was kidding, but there, there, there is a good percentage of it. That is. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, 
if if you have something planned and it goes off the rails, maybe you your, the bullshit. Maybe your technology is not working. Maybe they. Uh, I'm a music teacher. Maybe they do not have working instruments. Maybe this. Maybe that. Maybe. God maybe you're hungover. Maybe, maybe that. And putting on a movie these days is not an option. So what do you do? You bullshit. Yep. So bullshitting is a very important skill because yeah. You know, or like you know, you have an assembly, you wouldn't be called down. You know, like you don't, you don't get called down until like the last five minutes of forty-five minute class. So you're just shooting the breeze, and mm-hmm. yeah, it it is an art. You got, speaking of art, you gotta. Oh, you like, oh, you like oh I like that. I like, I like that. Like, wait, like wait, wait. Are you the host of the Metallica podcast? Because you, you're you're acting like a podcast professional. You know, I'm not, and I'm not a professional. <laughs> but I've been told, like, I should do my own podcast i'm like oh yeah yeah let me add that the other list of things i'll never get to in my life all right it's on there all ready to go well the way this is going to work is we're going to go album by album we're not doing any live albums we're not doing garaging we're not doing lulu just the 10 studio albums we're going to go album by album chronologically and we're going to give our two cents on the album cover and uh you know i you mentioned this before and uh, before we start recording, I think that, um, you know, a good album has a has covers that match the music. And I think Metallica does a masterful job of having their the image match what the album sounds like. They're really good at that. Another thing, too, you know, when I was reviewing all the, the covers. It almost seems that the album cover is just like a necessity for them. It's not, it's not like this driving selling point for them because when we get into it, you know, it's almost like they treat it like kind of like an afterthought to a degree, which obviously they don't because the band in particular, James has a lot of creative input into the album cover, the design, the text and all that kind of stuff. Right. But, you know, when you look at Metallica's discography as a whole, right, and there's a lot of things that stands out for them, which does not make them stand out with other heavy metal albums in any other 40 years. I mean, just generally speaking, most of their album covers lack a lot of color, if you think about it. They're either mm-hmm. monochromatic or very limited color palette. With the exception of the Black album. We'll even, we'll, even, we'll even that too. Well, you know, minimal. Yeah, yeah, mono, yeah, yeah. Monochromatic does mean one color, so yeah. that would that would technically fit. Right. They don't have a mascot like Megadeth with Vic Rattlehead, or like the Iron Tusk with Motorhead, right. or the Knot Guy with Anthrax. There's not a lot of that like cartoony bullshit that they have, you know. That would that dominates the other album covers. Like they don't have an Eddie of like Iron Maiden fame. They don't have a lot of like. Um... Also, another interesting thing too is they don't really have a lot of humans or people on their album covers. It's a lot of mm-hmm. symbolism, yeah. a lot of or symbols, um, almost like not like abstract but sim- like symbolic designs. They stray a lot from the, the metal cliches, even even back to Kill 'Em All. 
you know, which is very interesting. Like when you look at it as a whole, you know, we look at Metallica, you know, with, you know, with their artwork, especially like with, with Pusshead, which in itself was actually very unique at the time that a heavy metal band would use like skull, like weathered skulls and, 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 and like crossbones and all that kind mm-hmm. of shit, which you would figure that would be like typical, but at that time it was more like the D and D, you know, you know, swords and sorcery, yeah. you know, scantily clad women or like overtly satanic images that would right. dominate a lot of like Pentagram, album cover sleeves, say. pentagrams think and of devils. Like, think of any man of war cover. Right. <laughs> right. So it's it's really interesting when you look at their whole like album covers, you know, from front to back and how they've they've purposely to me issued a lot of those stereotypes of the genre which make them stand out so in like i said before it's almost like when you ask me about this it's hard for me to pinpoint anyone that i actually like because it's they're almost like Mm non-factors like it'd be more interesting to rank like the iron maiden covers because because of the the presence of eddie and, and the work of Derek riggs on it or even like megadeth with like vic rattlehead on it where they're more illustrative covers Right. These are like they're done to serve the, pr- the point to the purpose of the songs. Like it's not like let's create you know an outlandish character or like this really crazy landscape. It's like well we have these eight songs. Here's the album. You know here's the album title. Here's a track list. You know here's what we you know here's what we want you to do with it or like here's an idea and you kind of spin it around. But yeah, it's interesting to look at that as a whole. And I just like thinking about that this morning when I was walking my dog. I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting. How like, especially when you get into like the like the Trinity from like Ride to Justice, where it's like to me that's the most '80s of the the band. Like that's like probably the, the closest of that the lineup to what was going on in the genre at the time. Even then, it, it's different. Yeah. So, I like. I, I agree with that, and but to tie on that point, I was also thinking how, in a way, the if you take it decade by decade, they are kind of reflective of the decade that they're from, right? Like the like when the eighties ended for Metallica with Injustice for All, they went in a completely different direction for the nineties, and they really did not return to any kind of illustrated cover until St. Anger. And then even that was a very like they went all in. They, on that one, yeah. they went all in. That's really just like I, I that's probably the only album cover that's an actual like what I would describe as like an actual illustrated album cover. But even that is filled with symbolism filled and it's really just one image that red fist right right yeah there's a lot a lot of things you know that you just kind of find very interesting so i mean just like even before kill them all you know like the infamous story they wanted to have album called metal up your ass and they actually had um stephen gorman design the 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 fist coming out of the toilet with the with the um where's the with the machete yeah and that was like no this is not going to work. <laughs> so then, you know, Cliff Burton, you know, 
pissed off. You know, he said, "Oh fuck, all these motherfuckers, just kill them all." And everyone's like, "Oh, yeah. well, c- could you just say that? Could you say that again?" Oh fuck these mother! No, 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 no. The, the last three words. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, kill them all. Yeah. So, in like reading up on it, um, it was kind of just a very simple. Like apparently. I don't know if that was Cliff's hammer that they used, but Cliff used to carry a hammer with him everywhere he went, apparently. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like any rational human being. As one does. Yeah. As one does. Yeah. Like, of course, I have you know, a hammer in my car yeah. and I have a hammer in my, you know, my studio. I have a hammer in my classroom and <laughs> my car. Yeah, I just carry a hammer with me wherever, yeah. I, get, wherever I go because you never know what you're going to need one. This is my podcast studio hammer that I'm holding up right now. Right. right. Yeah. You know, because sometimes you're the hammer and other times you're the nail. I guess Cliff just always wanted to be the hammer. So apparently, you know, like they had the concept and it was, you know, like the shadowy hand dropping the the hammer on the, you know, the the white tile of blood and the the classic Metallica, you know, font that James designed, you know, with the black background, the red border, the red logo and all that. But even like looking at that, there's three colors, black, white and red. Right, yeah. And apparently it was designed by Sherry and Harold Reich, Reach. And, you know, for an album for a thrash metal band in 1983, where you had guys like Derek Riggs designing Iron Maiden covers, you know, you would have the, uh, the, the Hugh Siamese who were doing the Rush covers and who did Megadeth stuff from Countdown to Extin- Extinction and did a couple other things. You know, um, it it was very different. It grabbed your attention because that image was very big, right in the center. Of course, the the title "Kill 'Em All," which apparently you can have a bloody hammer on a floor <laughs> with a shadowy hand. That's fine. But metal a, up your ass is nice just toilet, yeah. a metal up your ass. Like that's just that's a bridge too far. Yeah. It's like nope, yeah. nope, nope, nope. Can't yeah. do that. Oh, but you want you want to say more... kill 'em all. The more cartoony the violence, the worse it is. <laughs> but the the Kill 'Em All cover too. Just to get back to your point with like the colors, like that red just jumps at out at you, and you see the band logo, and you see the album title, and you see the blood. Like it, the rest of the cover is so sparse and dark with the black border and everything that it really pops out at you. Oh yeah, you can imagine if you're if you're flipping through your um you know local you know record store in 1983, and you saw that you know like you'd be like what in the hell is this yeah. you know and and again reflects the music perfectly of like this band is out to fucking murder you like yeah. it was like probably I think I'm we, I might have said this at one point on the one of the shows I've been on before but it's 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 hard to fathom now but at one point Metallica probably was like the most extreme band. Oh, yeah. in music for like a day or two and then like you had slayer and yeah. death and all that you know like then every, yeah. and everything else came after that right but you know it's hard for people now to imagine listening to a band like that in 1983 with and also with just very stark imagery very simple to the point wasn't like outlandishly cartoony didn't have like that late 70s early 80s kind of like heavy metal magazine feel with like the over airbrush artwork and the oil and acrylic painting to it where everything looks real nice but it's 
bright and bold and it has like the kind of over the top cartoon comic book coloring to it. You know, this was just fuck you in your face, simple as possible, and let the music do the talking for them. So even before the Black Album, you know, 10 years, like eight yeah. years prior, prior to that, they were very much keeping that aesthetic as simple as possible. Let the music do the talking for us. The sleeve is like, well, fuck, we need a, we need some kind of cover to grab someone's attention because, ironically, they were, you know, especially Lars being a huge Iron Maiden fan and seeing how the band took, you know, great, you know, pride in their c- control over their imagery and how they came up with album cover designs and how they worked with Derek. It's funny how that didn't translate at all to their own work as far as like having a mascot or an icon like the icon to me is the is the that original logo right. that's the icon yeah because again probably is it arguably the greatest design for a band ever not just heavy metal but i mean how how iconic is the, the classic metallica logo how many times have you seen it's, you know other companies off rip, rip it off, rip, rip it yeah. off. Yeah, the, yeah that hook for the m and the a yeah. You know, like, I don't think there's any other, definitely not another heavy metal band. I don't think any yeah. other real music entity that, ha- would ha- that has such an iconic logo. The Beatles, you could argue for. I would say, but like, if you, like, if you look at other iconic logos of music, like the Beatles, ACDC, Kiss, That would be the other one, yeah. But even those are more like... Like, I feel like fonts borrowed from other places that they just made famous <laughs> mm-hmm. especially kiss like with the s's you know like you see that other places not always friendly places and you uh and you have uh you know the beatles is just kind of like a regular font that they just kind of mm-hmm. made you know famous for because they are the most famous band probably who's ever lived but yeah. I, I feel like you know the metallica logo is just more unique because that font that that angular M and A did not exist until James Hetfield designed it. Right. I, I know the I know the font I, is something else. I know like he definitely borrowed the font. Yeah. But even just like the way the T and the A kind of cut into one another. Yeah. It's interesting. Like just how that was all laid out. Even just the way the C is shaped. Like again, I'm just gonna say it's probably the the best band design of all time. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a big fan of the band. I can't think of any other like really iconic band like yes like Black Sabbath does but their logo changes from album to album cover like they have like that kind of kind of waving out, like logo Led Zeppelin changes like I don't think they really have anything that's distinctive to them same thing with Deep Purple but I mean look at any like any other band even within the Big Four mm-hmm. the other the, probably uh, the other band logo that's probably the most imitated would be Slayer, Slayer yeah. But other than that, like, yeah, that M and A with the hooks in them, you know, like, how could that not catch your attention? And, and, this, then, and this is something I think we can get to when we get to the other album covers down the road. But it's, you know, even when they altered that album, uh, altered their logo on future albums or in different eras, it, it always remains the same iconic logo in a way because you still had that M and the A, which is like really the thing that hooks you in. Right. Yeah. So 
yeah, we could get into that when we get more into into the the nineties. But then you get into Ride the Lightning, you know. That's you know, where this is like the Trinity, like Lightning Puppets, Justice Word, they start to you know, like obviously all those albums are very similar because they all follow a very similar you know, structure with the songs, mm. the layouts and all that. Um but this is like the first time where they take that more illustrative a- approach to their covers, you know, with the electric chair, you know, with, with like the classic block logo that, that, that carries through with them all the way to the black album yeah. where, you know, basically just blues, but, you know, a little, little, some blacks, some whites, or if you're, if you're French green because you know, the pressing of it, but again, very minimal color palette what very well rendered and just the way again like the the electric chair is the center of attention but it's small it's empty you know it's very it's very easy for the band to kind of go even like if you go back to kill them all like the year before the album before like how easy is they to get a guy like like edward repka who did all like album covers he did uh peace cells but who's buying and rust in peace for mega death he did a lot of stuff for death like leprosy and scream bloody gore and i think he did um spiritual healing you know like th- it was it could have been very easy to do something like that where it's like cartoonish gore you could have someone being shocked which i know on their t-shirt um right design yeah. like they have the guy in the, like that could have been the cover right but it wasn't you know it's just the empty electric chair with the, with the lightning around it and hitting it you know with clouds and again it's blues, you know, light blues, dark blues, some blacks, some whites. Very simple color palette, well painted. I believe this was done by they call it ad artists or ad artists. Not quite sure. I know James and Laura's developed the concept for the cover, and you know, I don't know if it was in house at Electra. Who, who no, they weren't at Electra at the time when this came out. You know, someone obviously someone some other group did you know did mm-hmm. the cover. But that to me is iconic too, because now like you're going from black, white, and red to blue, mm-hmm. and like that contrast, like it's a cooler color palette. It's got this nice block logo that has all this nice rendering into it. Even like the logo, ride the lightning, like that's just a plain font too. Yeah. Or again, it's not like it, they could have gone over the top with it. They could have really made it really cartoony and really gorish and really have someone get their fucking brains fried out. You could have really I mean, seen it like right? all out. I think the first three records really could have gone really over the top, really cartoonish comic booky or horror movie-ish or whatever. Just, I think the first three could easily have gone in those directions. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, just by, you know, the content matter and just, and just also by proxy being a heavy metal band, especially right. a thrash metal band at the time where it was all about being outlandish and trying to stand out. But again, here's the band saying, no, we have enough faith in our music where that's the selling point to it. And oh yeah, here's the, the fucking album cover, you know, right. boom, that's it. When uh, the band Crip Sermon were on Metallicast, uh, their guitarist made this point point and i never really thought of it this way and you made a similar point earlier he said that he named ride the lightning as his favorite metallica when he goes when you look at that album cover 
it looks how the album sounds. Yeah. And it it's true, and I can't really put into words why it's true, it, it, other than maybe it's, you know, that singular iconic image like you were talking about. And the color palette just seems to match, like, the tones that were selected for that album. And mm-hmm. it, it just works perfectly hand-in-hand with each other. Yeah. Well, I think a, a big reason why is because the band was very much involved with that creative process. Like Lars and James being the control freaks that they are with the band, wanting to make sure that like their bands represented, you know, the way they wanted to. Yeah. You know, I could easily see them like, this is the concept we have. Here's the image, but we're not artists. We can't make this here. Let's, let's go get someone to do this for us. So, you know, yeah. And like, it sounds like the album sounds more like has that kind of a, I know it's already electric, but it kind of has like that, that buzzing feel to it, you know, with the guitars, the way everything's toned, you know, how the energy is on that album. It just kind of, it's, it sounds a little bit more levelier than kill them all to some, to, to some degree. So, and then getting into master of puppets, um, Again, you got the classic block stone Metallica logo right at the top. You got the puppet hands right in the corner, upper corners of the album cover. And this has the most colors so far. You know, it has a warm color palette. So it's got the reds, the oranges, the yellows, and having the complement of green for the grass. So red and green being complementary colors plays off of it very well. So it's very attractive to the eye. A little bit of yellow for the sunrise or sunset, depending on how you want to interpret it, you know, kind of down by the horizon line. And obviously mm-hmm. the rows and rows of gray crosses with the um, the dog tags and a helmet right on the, you know, right on the one um, cross as well. Very simple, very effective, very powerful. You know, when you think Master of Puppets, again, you can listen to anything. Battery off of there. Yeah. The thing that should not be Orion, Sanitarium, the title track, any of those songs. And that immediately pops to mind because of how it ties into a lot of the a lot of the songs on the album, especially yeah. obviously yeah. Master of Puppets and Disposable Heroes. Yeah. And if you wanted to go deeper, like with Leopard Messiah being exactly. about, you know. Yeah, the crosses. and Yeah, and all that. And I think more so, than any other album cover, this shows symbolism for so many, like subtle references to so many different songs on the record. Yeah, yeah. In particular, you know, with the, uh, you know, with the army stuff for disposable and not in the title track. I know there is a variation of of the actual artwork, Dan. Brought again, designed it. He, he painted the cover, and again, this was a, a concept from James. And James actually wanted—I think there's a story—he wanted the Howie Duty, you know, puppet with like syringes and you know around you know around him in like a gutter, which I think I've talked about. That. So that's one idea I would like to cover. Like I would like to tackle is like the original yeah. Master of Puppets That'd album cover, cool, way, yeah. the way that James has envisioned it. And they're like, now let's bring that back a little bit. <laughs> I do know the original because the original cover had more feminine hands mm-hmm. and they had changes to make it a little bit more masculine or a little more neutral. But it, but even like that version, the it was still the same idea. Right. Where, again, the sky was basically that like that blood red fades, fades into orange and yellow, the grass, you know, being green, 
you know, having the, the crosses and all that. Very well done, very well rendered. And again, you could have gone over the top, could have gone with the James idea of like, you know, hypodermic. Or I'm, you know, just, drug- I'm just thinking of like Halloween had like that album cover. You'd have like this evil, like comic book puppet master, like with this right. evil, wicked grin, you know, it's a, it, it would have gone in a very comic book direction for a lot of metal bands. Yeah, they they knew when to pull back enough. Like yeah. they pulled the back right to the you know right to the most appealing angle. You know where yeah, if it was a Halloween album, yeah, you would have had, <laughs> fucking pumpkin guy. You know, mask how you know, yeah, you know would have like the the marionettes dancing all over the place, right, with like evil smiles and yeah, right. And what's interesting too is at the tail end of this tour is when they got Pusshead in was you know with you know with the um. The, the skulls, and I know, like they had talked about wanting to do the original caricature of the band, like more zombified for the inner sleeve. But James lost Pusshead's contact, so that didn't happen. But he, we got we got the Damage Incorporated and yeah. the Damage Justice shirt out of it. So yeah, it's just super interesting to see how how things would have been different. Like yeah. would we have gotten a Pusshead Master of Puppets album cover designed in 1985. Wow. From them, I mean, I it would have been interesting. I think it would not be prob- I think Pusset should probably do it though, just to do it right now. <laughs> I, you know, he's a hard guy to pin down and find. He yeah. just kind of likes he likes fucking off and be like, no, don't bother me. Yeah, I but also too, him. no, I don't blame him either. But also thinking too, like, would I want the Pusset of 1985, 1986 to do that? No, I want the Pusset of like now to do that because yeah. Pusset's work up to like that damage, you know, that damage incorporated shirt. It was a lot of, it, it looked a lot more underground, a lot more DIY. And then when it got to Metallica's camp, it definitely, the work quality definitely increased tenfold. Yeah. So very interesting. And really up until now, like there really haven't been that too many cover, like singles, you know, like I know like jump into fire had the fire demon, which was from something else, which is cool. Yeah. And like Whiplash, which is James, you know, being staccato, repeated, you know, yeah, yeah. repeated throughout it. The Creeping Death single, I think, is the closest the most iconic single cover that they have. No, I would disagree. I would disagree with that. Would I would go say? with one. One. All right. Yeah, I put one up there. Yeah, because most people probably have really seen it. Like hardcore fans have seen it, but like casual fans, if you. If you look, you just point out the two pictures and say, which one do you think, like, if you just took the Metallica name off of it, it's like, yeah. which one do you think Metallica is? They would point to the plus to, to, to one. Maybe I think Creeping Death because it's one of the more collectible ones, depending on, you right. know, what version yeah. you get. And I don't know if that was done just for the band or if that was a pre-existing artwork that they just, you know, kind of commissioned for. I'm not sure, but that's probably the closest that comes to stereotypical heavy metal, yeah, you know, tripe for sure. or, or tropes, I should say. Yeah, that's probably the closest one with like the wandering br- bridge to the skull. Right, that's probably the most on, like the most on the nose as far as yeah, for as sure. far as that goes. And then we get into injustice for all, and, and now things things are getting a little different here. In this so, album. I, you know, to tie into the previous point, so the color palette again matches the album because this is a cold sounding record. 
and you look at the album cover, it's all whites and grays and a little bit of green, yeah. a little bit of like lime green. But it's like a, you know, it's a very dull stark. green. It's not like a a bright green that jumps at you. Right. It's very stark. It's very cold. It's very minimal. You know, this was designed by uh, Stephen Gorman, who also did the Metal Up Your Ass logo back in 1982. If you looked at if, if you looked at the two, and Justice for All is definitely the better of the two. It's well designed, especially if we if we got the whole uh, pinup of Lady Justice. You know, like from head to toe, laying there. You know, if you look at it, you know she's got you know exposed breasts. Money tipping all over the place, cracks all over all over her. The ground, it's it's weathered. It's, it looks like it's been through hell. The Metallica logo is actually carved into the, the uh, into the ground, which is a pretty cool reversal. Like having two albums of block covers. Like, well, how can we take this and flip it? So right, yeah. instead of having it float above, let's sink it into the ground. You mm-hmm. know, which created again a very cool aesthetic. Very simple color palette, which again stands out because now this is the first album cover that has more human esque imagery, you know, with the statue of Lady Justice. You know, uh, Doris is what they nicknamed her. Mm. Um, so this really grabs your attention because now, up until then, like you, you haven't, you've had objects, you've had hammers, crosses, electric chairs, lightning bolts you know, spider webs and then just the faint tint of hands on, on puppets. Here's like a statue, you know, of a quote human unquote, which makes it stand out up into this point in the, in the discography. And also now it's basically like a, a white cover, right? You know, light gray, white lime green, very, you know, very, very well rendered, very well done. And I think this is really like the first album cover that like really sums up the album probably better than the rest rest of the song, like the rest of the album covers, which they did a great job with. Mm-hmm. But then like with the singles, you know, they're all done by Pusheads. I the Beholder, Harvester of Sorrow, One, they're all done by Pusshead. And again, I think this is a good example of like Pusshead's a great metallic artist, and which is why like I wanted you know, when he did St. Anger, it was the perfect time for him to do it because if we would have gotten a 1988 plus head injustice for all, we would have gotten damaged justice, mm-hmm. which is a great design for a shirt, great design for a poster, not a great design for an album cover. You know, it to me, it, yeah. it would have tied too much into like that, you know, typical late 80s. Like this is where like Ed Rebko was really coming into his own you know, designing all these different album covers for all these different thrash and death and and all, all the other metal bands out there. Right. Like, this stands out as, again, it's done just enough. You get the idea of the songs on the album. You get an idea of the imagery of what the band was going for. But it doesn't go too far. It doesn't become a parody which is, I think Metallica was purposely avoiding. Mm-hmm. Whether whether they realize it or not, I think they are purposely going out of their way to like, let's not make this, you know, like a Man of War cover. Yeah. Let's not let's not make this, you know, a Halloween or like yeah. a Gamma Ray or whatever the fuck else is out there. 
We're like, you know, it's not a fantasy novel we're selling. You know, it's not a, a, a BDSM show we're trying to get people in, into. You know, we want you to listen to the music. And of course, album covers does, you know, you pick it up and go, wow, this is cool. So it's advertising. Mm-hmm. And again, Lars and James developed the concept for it. They gave it to Steven and he knocked out of the park. And to me, out of like, if you're like a hardcore Metallica fan, the like the four albums, this is the best out of the four, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, mean the, I, I think Ride Lightning Ride. Master Puppets to me are more iconic, but I think that's because I prefer the music on those albums. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to deny the the fact that I think Injustice for All, to your point, represents the album better than any of the previous records in terms of uh, the colors chosen, the all the subtle details in Lady Justice that you describe with the cracks and the money and the bare breasts. Like it, it just all, it when you listen to the lyrics of Injustice for All, everything that sh- that song is saying is represented in that single image of mm-hmm. doris yeah and it just like i said it captures a, a a mood and feeling yeah and it it's probably one of the most on the nose album covers i've ever done without it being like again like we're the hammer you're the nail do you do you fucking get it do you yeah. fucking get it now yeah. like they never was were, were doing anything like that you know and then you get right to the black album. They're like, "Fuck all this shit." Yeah. We're, <laughs> I mean, we're done. Black album, black album, right? Musically, was all about stripping away everything that came before. We're gonna, you know, get rid of the instrumental. We're gonna break away from that, that uh, from that format. We're going to strip away the last five minutes of every song that we added on for "Injustice for All." We're gonna, you know, do a warmer, cleaner production just everything was going to be different and the fact that it's called metallica i mean we call it the black album now but the official name of it is metallica it's a self-titled album that's a statement right there especially when it's not your debut album you're five records in and you're saying our album cover our album is named our band it's self-titled metallica that's making a statement and the album cover now that is also making a huge statement because you're taking all those beautiful illustri- illustrations, designs that we saw those four albums before. You're stripping all that away, and, and you know you mentioned monochromatic. Let's get into it. Yeah, it's black. That's it. <laughs> black with none a little bit black. of none more black. A black album. I remember. No, really. I remember when I was. Uh, when I got a uh, the cassette for the Black Album, um, it was the first Metallica album I ever owned. I've told the story; I'm not going to go into it. But I, long story short, I was in second grade when I got the cassette, and I was like, "Oh, there must have been like a misprint." Like I remember thinking, like, the, I think there's like a mistake on the cover because like, but you can't really read Metallica all the way, and then the rest of it's just black. And then I remember looking, I'm like, "Oh, wait a minute, there's something here in the corner." I'm like. Oh, it's a snake. I but I didn't connect the dots obviously till I could understand like, you know, don't tread on me, the don't tread on me flag and oh all that symbolism that went into it. But it it's a really interesting album cover. 
Yeah, it really is, you know, because the, the 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 band logo is in the it's not on the not in the top of the album anymore. It's actually to the top left hand corner on an angle. It's the block logo, but it's very obscured by by everything. So it's you know, you can barely see it. The Gadsden snake, you know, in the, in the bottom right hand corner, again, that very dull slate gray you know, under understatement, you know, understated, overstated, whatever you want to say, you know, it's well executed for what it is. Yeah. You know, like you can't deny how I again in just just watching like the year and a half documentary with Metallica and reading interviews at the time, like it was a purposeful decision to not do any of the other bullshit before it like no 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 painted illustrations no dragons no women no demons no pentagrams you know none of that shit just a simple black cover with barely, barely legible logo gats snake and then like the four images inside the sleeve i think is genius too like it's you could, it's very simple very flat, almost looks like a like a cutout, like you know, just paste it in there. Mm -hmm. Very well done, you know. And all the singles basically just had a variation of the cover, yeah. With either like with a little bit of the snippet of the snake or the logo, you know, for the cover for that. So not not a lot to talk about there, but and when you look at cool. when you look at what else was out the. Uh, around that time too you know to go back to the point you were making before with like the other bands album covers like 19 just let's just take a look at megadeth right 1990 the year before you have rust and peace iconic album cover but you know it falls in that illustration the you have vic rattlehead it's the whole kind of more stereotypical metal cover then even after that you have countdown to extinction another great album cover a little bit more simplified but it's still very like metal album cover and then in between that you have the black album which is just so separate from what everybody else was doing oh yeah it exists it exists in its own space it really does and it i don't, don't really know what else to say about it. it's a fucking black album cover <laughs> and but, i mean yeah but it and it it gives it its name right now nobody calls that metallica it's the black album. Yeah. It's just, it's the black album. Even the band calls it the yeah. black album. I even think too, if I remember, if I recall correctly, when watching like the year and a half, I think they're, they're like, we didn't even name the album. It was just called Metallica by default because we didn't really come up for a title for it. Yeah. So it's, it's not really an untitled album. It's just, it's, it's called Metallica because it's Metallica and because you can't really see anything. Yeah on the cover but yeah just very very well again very well executed well done and i know it seems like a laughing like a laughing point to be like oh yeah like how easy it is to do a blackout like a, a single cover like that it's really fucking hard especially because yeah. you have to get the right amount of saturation on your logo or any other things on the cover is it visible enough you know what if you had tweaked tweak this to 10% versus 45%? What if you right. turn this part down? 
So on one hand, yes, it is very simple, but also to get that simplicity just right is very difficult to do, which sounds contradictory, but welcome to art, my friends. That's all it is. It's all just contradictions. And what's, so. and what's funny is, too, like I'm not sure they could have released that album cover at any other point in their career because they released that album cover now. People are going to be like, that's so self-indulgent. Like it's gonna be like, right. who do you, you think you're better than everybody because you don't need like a band logo on your album, or like or, how fucking lazy are you? Yeah, or like, you know, it would have it, it. That was like the only time in their career where I feel like they could have pulled off art like that. And yeah, then, it worked just fine. Yeah. And then there's only one way, you know, the old saying: there's only one way to follow up a black album cover. Blood and jizz. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know that old saying. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, you know, anytime I do my own artwork, I'm like, you know, no, it just needs you know, plexiglass of jizz and blood just <laughs> pressing into each other. So yeah, with load and reload, just gonna clump them together because it's, yeah, it's the same, same thing. You know, Andre Serrano is the artist who you know, was picked for this. This was driven by Lars. This was Lars entering into his rock star phase of his career and also his and interest in art, art took off and i believe so. that kirk played a role in this too because it was andre serrano yes. is a very controversial artist yes kirk was is. gravitating towards that yes controversy and that sort of dare i say like shock value yeah like his uh andre serrano he was the artist who did piss christ where it was a crucifix in a bottle in, in, in a jar of piss. Now was his work, and which is I because I remember hearing about that around the time this album came out. Not because one was related to the other necessarily, but that's why the band was drawn to him because he was his controversial figure. Yeah, and it, on one hand, you had to think like, you know, how unmetal of Metallica to to do an album cover with blood, you know, with blood and blood and cum on it, you know, shaped like fire, which is ironic how like people would wear that shirt thinking it's flames. Like, no, it's yeah. not flames. <laughs> um, you know, we're like, again, at this point in, the, in, in, you know, in heavy metal with, with band artwork, it's entering this weird transitional phase where digital arts now starting to take over. So you're starting to get a lot of like kind of, interesting rendered album covers that are done digitally in Photoshop, which look awkward and terrible or like you're getting, you're getting like those again, more Ripka like album covers, but now like they're desaturating the colors as the versus the eighties. It was bright and bold and stands out and everything's now grittier and duller even look at the Iron Maiden covers by this point. They had ditched ditch Derek Riggs and they got some other people and their covers started to change, mm-hmm. you know, to where like even now looking at the new cover, it's all, it's, it, it just looks. By the mid 90s, metal had lost its identity a little bit because every metal band that was popular in the early 90s and earlier were trying to find like what was next. Uh, or they were like chasing something most of them like whether if you were just doing the same old same old you now became part of the underground and so many bands during that time were in this transition like look at iron maiden you know by the time the mid 90s are rolling around they have their third singer 
Bruce Dickinson's out. They're going through this whole weird transition, you know? So it was a very weird, awkward time for metal. And, you know, when you look at load, when you look at the, the, the photo shoots and uh, the album cover and everything that goes with that whole package of load reload, it's Metallica shedding everything that's metal. And I think that's a reflection of the time and also a statement from the band, mainly Lars and Kirk saying like, we are not a metal band. We are just a band. I remember even interviews around that time where Lars would be like, if I could take metal out of our name, I would, (laughs) you know, like just like kind of trolling, I think a level of trolling people and just, messing with people's perceptions of what a metal band should look like and can sound like. And I, and when you listen to the music still sounds like Metallica, in my opinion, but obviously goes in a very different direction that pissed off a lot of people alienated some fans. They're experimenting with blues with country Western. It's with, uh, with some alternative sounds that have come out in, since the beginning of the decade with like Alice in Chains influence creeping in. It, it, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. But also it's very metal in a way of like, we're just going to do this shit. Like we're going to put <laughs> yeah. actual blood and cum on our cover. Like that's something yeah. like the fucking like mayhem would have done in like 1988. <laughs> you know, like it's, it, it's totally yeah. one of those things where, like you look at it now and you're like, that is metal as shit. Like yeah. who, like what what major mainstream corporate whatever, you know, music act, yeah. celebrity, like, here's our newest product. We're gonna promote it with blood and cum. You're not seeing mixed. the Foo Fighters do that, I'll tell you that. Or yeah. uh, or a band more of that time. You're not seeing uh you know the offspring do that or whatever. No, like you're not like you're not seeing a lot of those a lot of those things out there, you know. And then you follow it up with Reload, you know, where it's piss and blood. Mm-hmm. Again, keeping with the with the blood motif, mixing with different bodily fluids. Um, it, out of the two, I would prefer Load over Reload. Same, because it just has more of an aesthetic to it. it has more of like again, like the you know like the blood and cum looks more yeah. like flames, whereas piss and bloods, it, it kind of looks like an amorphous sunrise or sunset. Yeah. And then here with the singles, they leaned into that whole Rorschach ink blot yeah. for all, for all the album designs. I know with, with the, um, with load, the covers are basically black and white. And they would just reverse depending on the right, single. Yeah. And then, with reload, they would it would be in color, but then like the middle would have like the 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 tour shots, mm-hmm. which was reflected in the in the in the uh, sleeve for the right. for the record. So you know, with those, you know, like they they went out of their purposely now going out of their way to really hammer home the fact that like we're not really associated with this scene anymore. And visually, I think they pushed it. They were really a lot more conscientious of it, you know. Whereas before, you know, up until the Black Album, like I said, like the Trinity from like Ride to Justice, like they had an idea, like okay, we want, you know, we want this. You know, oh, we'll I'll throw a Black Album in there too. We want the songs to stand out. What album 
what cover can we do for our album for these group of songs that's going to help sell this, but also not distract from it, where you're going to remember, like, oh, I remember, like, what Power Slave looks like. I couldn't tell you the songs on it, but it's a fucking cool album cover. Right. So, so this was more like with Load and Reload was more, they were go, really now going in their, in, in their way to really push and drive home the fact that we're, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want and we are going to push this image that we are not, we are the same band from 1987, but, you know, we're different. You know, we've, we're exploring new territory and we're going to challenge you and we're going to piss you off and we don't care, you know, if, if we gain new fans, if we lose you as a fan, you know, we don't really give a fuck one way or the other. Like we're gonna do whatever we want to. And this, like these two album covers, really drive home that point to me as far as like picking a controversial at the time, you know, artist with such really like disgusting like subject matter. Probably like, again, like I, I think if we under the radar that like Doris is naked or her breasts are exposed in Injustice yeah. for All because it's, yeah. it's a statue, yeah. more or less, or painting of a statue. This is that's actually um, his blood with like um, cow jizz or some shit. Like no, no, no. I'm sorry, that's backwards. It's his jizz with like pig's blood or cow's blood or something yeah. like that, and like his blood and his piss. So like, it's gross and disgusting. Which you can argue that that's the flavor of the songs in those albums, where it's yeah. you know like they're greasier, they're looser, they're you know, they're, you know like they're not really they're. They're not easy listens as a Metallica fan. Because like you said before, they're, you know, they've got country western, they got more blues, they got more experimental. So, so a load of music and they have a load on the album cover. <laughs> it's not that subtle in that way. No, 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 definitely is not. And they also yeah. have the, you know, for load reload, as I mentioned before, they have the logo change. They have they smooth out the edges. They you know have more of that uh, gray black color to it, almost like a static design to it. Um, but you still have the M and the A with the smoother hooks that slope down. The kind yeah. of it, 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 it's saying that we're we're still called Metallica, but. This is a new version of us. If you didn't know by the martinis and the cigars mm -hmm. and the jizz and the blood, maybe the logo will tell you. <laughs> yeah. 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 In case, in case you couldn't tell, yeah. you know, they, and then you jump into St. Anger, which is probably spoiler, probably my, my top pick for album cover designs by my boy, Paul said, and again, this could have, could have really gone over the top, you know, with, you know, with the design, but like this was the perfect time for Pusshead to do something for, like official album cover. Yeah, you know that fist with with the with the rope around the wrist, the the red and orange color palette, and I know we like kind of skipped like color palettes before, but even with like Load and Reload, they were still like on that warm like the reds and oranges, which Reload, which I'm sorry, Saint Anger certainly had, but they were more subtle. They were more uh, mixed and gradiated. This was boom, like 
bright red, bright orange. Like this was the color palette you would have used in the 1980s, how bright it was. But again, it's red, orange, and then like the black for the, the highlight. I think the rope is gray. But again, yeah. very minimal amount of colors. No rendering, no shadows on here. You know, there's the texturing that Posset does with his line work, and I think some of the shading within the fist. And then the back cover with, with the actual St. Anger that, again, is only, it's cropped. And he's got the, the fist around the neck. You see a little bit of the shoulder. That, to me, was perfect. Per- perfect front album cover. Perfect back album cover. Perfectly sums up the whole album. It is unrelenting, punishing, you know, driven, angry music. And then the painting inside of the lyrical book, like which yeah. I forgot the artist's name. Like that was used for all the singles, yeah, to some to some degree. That very different very, approach. Yeah, very like that's that's also and that's going more illustrative. Mm-hmm. Very well done. I don't think that would have worked for the album cover if you flipped them. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be interesting. For sure, but again, I forgot if like if James no, I think it was like here like they gave Puss said the the song and like here, this is called Saint Anger, yeah, and he formed the image from there. Yeah, I think we talked about that on our Puzzle episode, which yeah. was like two or like, three years ago. <laughs> yeah, and I had all the information right then. And, yeah. I'm just babbling. Go back and listen. This. Go back and listen to that. Yeah. Episode. If you want the actual story, go back yeah. and listen to that. Don't listen to my my tired. That's when the research was fresh in our heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, and and one kid, one kid before, and we actually yeah. had time to exactly. had time to, to put all our research together. Very again, excellent job, well done. Um, very and again, definitely stands out in all the band's iconography. If you look it up, boom, that jumps out to you. Like th- yeah. that, the Black Album jump out again. Yeah. Of just being like just radically different as far as the approaches go. And when you look that at the like the fonts and stuff, when you look at the back album cover and you see like the song title, so it all just matches the the music that's just like ragged and dirty and downtuned and ugly. It 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 it. it it does a good job of matching that aspect of the sound, I think. And then, you know, to your point before, where you look at the inside cover, I feel like if they had if they had Pusshead do like the inside, it's almost too much. It takes away from that front symbol, um, and it becomes almost like comic booky, like you're looking mm-hmm. through a comic book. But when you just keep it to that front and back cover, you you get a powerful image, you get a little bit of symbolism. And then you kind of move into something that's darker and I, I don't want to say more serious, but less cartoony, less comic booky. Mm-hmm. that kind of makes you focus on other things like the words, the, the people, like the, the details more so than uh, I feel like if you were looking through the album cover and you're seeing those bright colors and the posset imagery, like your eyes are going to be on that and that only because you're, your eyes are drawn to it. Yeah. So just all, all well, all well done. All, you know, put together extremely well. And I also think it helps too that Puss had collaborated with the band at that point for like 15 years. 
Yeah. So th- there was a level of trust already with them. It wasn't like they're going out of their way to like find anyone. They're like, hey, we want you. You know, you already know our shit. And like they did change the logo where it was like that weird barbed hook. Yeah, you know, it was like a, a kind of hybrid, non hybrid. A throwback to the original logo, but like straighter at the top, ragged yeah. edges, like it was very it was very two thousands. Yeah. Yeah, you want if you want the two thousands summed up in one image, just look at that metallic logo. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Well, and it there's a just, reason why it was only used on for that, that album, album, that tour yeah. cycle, and then they went back. Yeah. And with Death Magnetic, that was uh, Mr. Tucker, you know, Mr. Turner Duckworth with his um, his agency designing that. You know, the coffin in the middle with the magnetic, you know, ley lines, you know, coming from the dirt from outside of the of the grave. Yeah. The actual, like the logo for death magnetic, the band album, the band logo, I should say back to the classic, it, you know, they cleaned up the fonts with like the T and the a no longer, you know, cutting into each other. They're more separated. The C, the barb and the C in the original logo was trimmed back down to just being, you know, flat. Mm-hmm. And then the actual, the title with death magnetic, the D and the C at the end, at the beginning of end of, of the t- album title kind of, looked like the magnetic use right yeah so very smart very well done again um color wise very simple you know white with a little bit of black and in brown for the um the dirt but also too like it it's clever and almost too clever in a way where it's like this is professionally done. This is a mm-hmm. professional like designer firm that know what they're doing. They had worked with Coca-Cola and some other places where like they kind of stripped everything down to its essentials and kind of not rebuilt them, but like kind of made them more, a little bit more elegant, a little bit more yeah. streamlined. And I don't know if you remember the controversy at the time where I looked like a vagina. Did you hear about that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I kind of get it, but also like, no. Yeah. You know, I think so. Someone was watching a little too much Pornhub that day. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> superimposed yeah. their their viewpoint on, on, on the cover. Yeah, I agree. But it's, it's also like... It, it, kind of sums up the album i think is a little a little disconnected a bit like for me it's hard to really explain like i know like james and lars were more involved you know or with the cover as usual but this kind of felt more like put together by committee you know what i mean it it it, felt corporate even when the pictures in it like you have like the car crash and things like that. It seems like a little bit more like stock photo, you know, than like this was created just for mm-hmm. this project. What I did like about it was, you know, kind of like the whole, and it, when you opened it up, it kind of exposed like the different images. Like I thought that was a creative 
unique part of the package. But otherwise, I agree with you. It seems kind of like um, it almost as if they were playing it a little bit safe, which I think if they're, that album gets one criticism for me musically, it's also that they played it a little bit safe, right? It was like kind of a throwback to their uh, roots in terms of like the that format of the Ride Lightning, Master Puppets, and Just For All albums. You have the instrumental, you have... You start with the thrash song, you end with the thrash song. It's the songs are a little bit longer. It's kind of a throwback in a lot of ways to that, but it's the modern, polished version of it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I just had a thought, but then it left my mind. Um, yeah, you're saying like it, it, it played it. You know, it played it safe, and this is probably the like to me the. Actually, not the first album cover, but um, it was very on the nose, death magnetic, yeah, ma- magnetic field around a coffin or, or a gravesite. Yes, yeah, Saint Anger was a little more on the nose too, but again, like, um, it was just the fist on the cover. Like, there was no title for Saint Anger. There was no no logo, no band logo on the actual cover. You know, so, you know, so. with Saint Anger and Death Magnetic, you have these terms, right, that are self-created like you're you're gonna ask yourself what is saint anger who is saint anger death magnetic i know what death is i know what magnetic is you never really hear those words together as a phrase so now you know a big part of promotion of those albums was kind of going into the titles of those albums and then but when you look at the album covers the saint anger symbolism is there in an illustrative form whereas with death magnetic it's not it it represents death you have like the magnets but it doesn't you're representing the words more than the meaning yeah it's it did seem a little more separated from the music as opposed to like everything else kind of tying into it especially you know with 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 the trinity and and with saint anger in, in the black album too yeah and then Lastly, with Hardwired, that's Herring and Herring, and the idea came from Lars when he got married to his third or fourth wife, whatever he's on. You know, third time's the charm. I guess so. I mean, when you're <laughs> or, when you're a rich ass rock star, you can afford to do, get married as many times as you want. Um, and yeah, no problem paying alimony. You, know, yeah. you, know, you know, that was done by Herring and Herring. And, you know, it's the Glitch logo, which is actually really fucking cool. The yeah. Metallica Glitch logo is really well done. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I'm not a fan of this cover. This I think cover it's gets a, little, a lot of flack. A lot of flack. And ironically, I think it's the most colorful logo or the most yeah. colorful album cover. It has the most colors to it. Whereas everything else is very muted and very limited. Yeah. This was a lot of colors. The band superimposed over each other. Um, it it looks like a high school Photoshop project <laughs> to me, and you know, I don't know of how you could have done that better. I mean, I know there were like there's a different releases, like the vinyl had a different cover, yeah, the same concept, but like the imagery was a little bit yeah. different. The, they did the same for the singles, like it's the yeah. same concept but slightly different 
Yeah, I just I I look at it and it's like yes, the band. It also, it's the first album that has first album cover that features any of the members of the band on it. Yeah, you know they're all superimposed, and really the first album cover that features any real human on the character, you know, on the on the cover too. So, very interesting, to, you know, plain back white, you know, white background. The glitch font is really cool. When I'm looking at it, I'm like this. It it looks lazy. It looks like they're trying too hard in a way to be a little more high concept. Yeah. And it just, to me, it just, it feels like, ah, like, fuck it. Like, oh, this is really cool, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. We'll just, I, I think, I think this is sort of like, when you look at death magnetic, we look at hardwired self-destruct. I think that's sort of the direction they're in now, right? Like they're not going to go back to the illustrated covers in the sense of like what we got from Ryan Lightning, Master Probs, and Just For All. That, to me, that if they came out with an album in, you know, 2021, 2022 with an album cover like that, it dates it in a way. You cannot retread the monochromatic thing. You cannot, you know, it, they're not at a stage where they're going to do something highly controversial. They're, when you look at where they are now, they've, they have transcended metal. They've transcended rock and roll in a lot of ways, just as like one of the biggest music acts of all time. And I think, you know, now they're they're When you look at the last two releases, death magnetic hardwired, they're going for a very modern, more polished feel. Contemporary. Yeah. Contemporary. Uh, and something that's, especially with hardwired, like you said, they're going for something a little bit more, high concepts whether they get there or not is obviously up for debate but i think you know you use that word i think that's an adequate way of saying what they were aiming for and you know to me too the album cover i get the concept to me it, it does has no relation to the music on the on the album i think more i think it's the one album where there's really no to me any tie to anything lyrically or thematically or i guess there's like it looks kind of like chaotic or Mm -hmm. whatever and you you know you're kind of hardwired feeling chaotic maybe but even that i feel like it's like a stretch and i you know there's so many things i feel like they not that i could have come up with a better concept but i feel like there's so many things they could have done with that title Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't really represent anything to me on that record yeah and again they could have gone the easy way and, and gotten someone again like a Derek Riggs or an Ed Ripka or anything like that and really go really like on the nose with it and they didn't you know again like all brave decisions and looking through all their studio <clears throat> albums again what's funny to me is like the album covers to me are just for Metallica or secondary. Yeah. You know, like it's almost like they're there because they have to be there. Yeah. So when it comes to ranking them, like for me, it was actually hard because most of the covers, I don't really, I personally don't really care about too much. So like, well, also too, when I was thinking about ranking them, I'm like, you know, the Black Albums, the most iconic album cover they have, arguably, as their best-selling album, 
And to like to your point, to do that something so simple monochromatic is actually really hard. But do I like that design over Ride Lightning or Master Puppets or Injustice for All? No. Or, you know, because it, it, I, I like that illustrative iconic image. Like, I think if I want to have something on my wall or I want to wear something, I'm not going to put on put the black album cover on my wall as a poster or right. wear that as a T-shirt, you know. But on its own, as just the album cover, uh, when you look at the you know, the history of that record too, is just so iconic. It's like, how do you not put that number one? But I prefer the other ones over it a lot of times. And then, you know, it, 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 it's almost an impossible decision. It's like, all right, we're going to rank them. Well, can we put load and reload in the same places? I kind of prefer load and reload is kind of a rehash of the, it, it, it gets a little bit silly to a certain extent, but if I, if I have to choose a, favorite album cover you're holding a gun put the gun down nick god damn it uh if you're holding a gun to my head i guess i i have to go with master puppets but i think that's just because that's my personal favorite record i don't even know how much that has to do with the album cover itself to be honest as much as i that image is in my brain the most because the music is my favorite yeah because like mine's saint anger and again i don't know if that's because the hype around that album, I was really like, I remember like all the hype around St. Anger. So, and just plus said being one of my favorite artists ever, you know, like, I don't know of like how much that clouds it, but I, but I want to say like, yeah, St. Anger would be like my number one. And then really from there, it's like, all right, I could probably do the top three. And I would say then injustice for all would be number two. You know, with, with Doris on there, which again, like have an artist like replicate that would be awesome. Yeah, you know, and then three would probably be fucking like ride the lightning. Yeah, maybe, but in, in honestly, then all from there, it just doesn't matter because yeah. I don't. You know, like we all want to know close. where does the jizz and blood rank, Nick. Come on! Oh, they're they're gonna be like nine and ten. <laughs> you know, it's like they're at the bottom. You know, then I would say hardwired, hardwired. would be would be eight and seven. Death magnetic six is the black album. Five is kill them all. Four yeah. puppets. Three three lightning. Two justice. One. St. Anger. Yeah. That'd be my list. My list would be almost identical to that, probably. Um, but I think this was a really interesting talk. Into you know that as a music listener, I do not really think of uh, album covers all that much. But when I think back to when I was in high school, going to the record store every week, what what is the thing that draws right. you in? The album, the album cover. cover. There's so many yeah. bands that I never heard of or maybe heard of but never listened to and the album cover made me buy the record. And, you know, I remember, I will always remember the first time a friend showed me a Cannibal Corpse album and I saw the album cover and it was the most uh, dark, violent, evil coolest most badass thing i had ever seen to that point 
and I was like, I must listen to this band. Oh yeah, I mean, how could you not? Especially pre-digital and yeah. pre-CDs, where like, you know, your records came in a twelve-inch square sleeve, you had to grab people's attention. So yeah. you either have like your generic stock picture of yourself, photograph. Or like you had those like illustrative covers from the mid to late seventies of like the progressive rock bands and early hard rock and metal bands, you know. So it is important, and it just always seemed like Metallica was always a step ahead. And even yeah. with like Death, even with like Death Magnetic and, and Hardwired, as much as I'll shit on the covers, I always applaud them for doing something outside of the box. Because like I said, I was looking through Iron Maiden's album covers, and to me, they just drop off in quality after Derek Riggs leaves. Like the oh, '90s were okay, but once it starts getting into like Dance of Death cover, has yeah, to it get, ugliest it, album covers. It gets, it gets, it gets real, yeah. like dicey. Where it's like after Fear of the Dark, you're like, I don't know, you know. Yeah. So, but here's a question for you though. And I only thought of this a few hours ago. We know Metallica is going to release an album soon. At least we hope. It seems like the band is working on getting, you know, their ass together. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they have some formulation of some songs, whether if they're complete or not. Yeah. Who knows? But it seems like from the, from the interviews that I've read and seen, it seems like they've they've been getting more serious of putting songs together and actually focus on creating an album what would you who would you want to design the 11th Metallica studio cover that is a fantastic fantastic question and if I had a guess and I'm probably going to be 100% wrong in this because it's almost impossible to predict where they go musically from album to album Um, if I had a guess my prediction for the next album musically would be that they're going to take what they did on hardware self-destruct but streamline a little bit more i think we're going to see a little bit more of a um a black album influence some shorter songs some uh a, a big emphasis on kind of melody and hooks more so than perhaps last couple records um so i kind of think for the album cover it's not going to be as simple as the blackout, but I'm thinking they're going to simplify things. Um, I, I could, it's going to be, I think they're going to continue in the road of something very contemporary. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, if, when I think of, here's, here's my problem answering that is that when I think of great album covers, I don't know if I think of anything from recent memory because the album cover is such a question I was going to ask you is what, what do you find, um, you know, as a music listener now in 2021, what's the importance of the album covers for like younger generations? Like for older music fans like us, it holds more importance, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But for people who only get their albums digitally, what's the what? What do you think is the importance of the album cover this day with the way the music industry's changed? Advertisement. Yeah. You know, especially you know merchandise. Really, when you sure, break right, it down. Yeah. You know, like you would, you would still want that to push and sell your album, especially now where 
you know, vinyls had this miraculous comeback. How, how long that's going to last for, who knows? But even if you got rid of that physical media and it's all streaming, you know, you're still going to sell T-shirts, patches, stickers, toys, blankets, posters, prints. So you, you want something, you know, to represent your album, you know, and then you go on tour, you know, you have your tour shirts, you have your banners, you have, you know, all your, all your memorabilia. So the album cover may not be as important to someone who's like 15 years younger than me. You know, but it's definitely as important because it drives home, you know, the, like the sale of the album. Sure. So, and plus, you need something to come up on your fucking, you know, phone when you're listening. You know, like you need something to show up on Spotify. True. You know, when you're listening to music. True. So, it's it is still important. It's important. This has changed and modified over time. It's not like it was in like 1977, where like you needed a badass album cover yeah. to grab someone's attention. You know, now it's more like you're going to use it to help. You know, push the sale on records. You know, push the sales of your record, and also to stamp that shit on like anything that that can sell from like lunch boxes to condoms. So, mm. you know, you you would still want that to represent the collection of songs you put together. So, I mean, I think, uh, uh, I don't think they will go in this direction, but I would love to see a contemporary take on something on like an injustice for all cover, like some, like an illustration that symbolizes one of the songs, but without kind of resorting to the metal cliches of, yesteryear you know i'm not exactly sure what that looks like necessarily but yes i i would i would like to see it executed as or at least attempted um but i kind of picture them going in like a more simple direction trying to think of something like i don't think they're going to do anything the stereotypical metal or hard rock um if anything maybe just like a um, you know, kind of a, a, a photograph or a, a symbol, maybe just like a single symbol or something. You know, maybe they'll just do like the the Metallica M or something, and or uh, you know, just kind of something more around the logo. Or it, they have such I, I, an iconic logo, like we were talking about. Maybe they just do something more around that. Or it's so hard to predict. Yeah, watch the call it middle up your ass and use the original logo. Just does for everyone. We finally so, did it. Yeah, they finally bat, bastards finally did it. They finally got the metal up their ass out. Or in. Um <laughs> so the realistic answer would be like they'd probably go to an ad in, you know, yeah. An ad company and be like, here's our thing and sure. design the committee. But for me, I would have two choices. But for I would you actually were hitting on a little bit before. A little before i would get richie beckett to do the cover because he's like their go-to kind of puss head now or like he his work is very illustrative but it has that classic 19 you know early like like late 1800 early 1900 you know pen and ink look to it like a franklin booth mm-hmm. or bernie wrightson if you've seen like the mary shelley frankenstein mm-hmm. uh book and he does it very well. He did the Call of Cthulhu shirt for them. He also did the um, 
the London shirt. Yeah. And he's done, he's worked for like, he's done stuff with Macedon. So like there's that connection there, mm. but his work. Yeah. So like he has done work for like hard rock and metal bands. But he's also done work for like other music acts too. So I think that could be an interesting way of like, you have like these nice illustrations, like pen and ink illustrations that he does, you know, and he can kind of mend styles if if he wanted to. So I think that'd be really cool. Like, you know, that, because the, the guy sells a shit ton of, of t-shirts and prints and, you know, whatever, throw rugs and whatever his work is on. Mm-hmm. And the band has a good relationship with him. James is a big fan of his. So I could see, I could see them approaching Richie Beckett and, you know, and even doing like a fucking skull for an album cover. They never actually had a skull for as much as they're a skull band, never had a skull for a cover. Right. So, so just have like Richie Beckett do something, you know, like with a skull or plants or whatever, mm-hmm. I think would be interesting. And then, the other thought I had, like, wouldn't it be cool if Jason Newstead did the cover? Ooh. He's a painter. Yeah. And, you know, his work is uh, kind of kind of like 80s graffiti, street art, you know, Basquiat shit that Lars loves. Yeah. So I'm like, that could, be, again. That could be cool. That could be cool. Like you bring Jason back into the band, you know. Some people look at it as, like, as like, yeah, I was like, maybe that's a, it's a fuck you. I'm like, no, like that. How cool would that be? Like, yeah. now his work is selling the band. Like, they I think that have a good relationship still too. You know. Oh yeah. So, you know, like <clears throat> I think that would be really, really cool. And again, a full on like painting from Jason if he wanted to or like he can you know or they can license one of his um other works that he that he did you know elsewhere yeah i think that'd be cool i mean there's there's like john john dyer basley who's i was who's just going to say when you were talking about like the mass on cover yeah. stuff i thought of john basley's done all the from baroness who's done all their covers and it, like i that could be a cool direction for them too that could be too. Like it falls right into right yeah. into with you know with Richie Beckett. So I mean, I would say like it would be interesting for the band now. I think because they've eschewed those cliches since the eighties. Yeah. So like we're gonna do this, but now we're gonna do it our own way. Right. Because really, outside of saying anger with Puzzhead, they haven't really had any like real like classic metal looking album covers since nineteen eighty eight. You know, so I was thinking, you know, how cool would it be to have this like full on illustrative cover that you can make into a T-shirt? You can do a print. You can be a poster. It can be a a patch. You can do different versions of it. You know, if you really wanted to do like the multicolored version like they want to do with St. Anger, which at the time wouldn't work at that point. Now that it would now fuck that, you know, like have that on vinyl you right, have yeah. a cd pack like it they're ahead of their time. seconds yeah yeah so that to me would be would be interesting for them to just kind of go and that just go head on into it and just be like we're gonna we're gonna metallica the fuck out of this <laughs> illustration yeah. you know but like have someone like a richie beckett 
or a John Baisley to handle that, you know, because they have the, 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 the you know, the credential. You can't fucking talk. This is why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, past my bedtime. this is why you should have been in bed two hours I ago. Should be, <laughs> I should be. I know. I should have been. Like, they have the credentials and body of work to back yeah. up what they're doing. Right. So, but yeah, I would say, like, my picks would be, like, you know, Richie Beckett or Jason Newstead. And you can throw John Baisley in there, too. It's like, uh, you can do like some, 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 some other shit with them. You know, but, you know, they'll probably just hire some fucking ad company. And, yeah. you know. We're going to get the um, uh, hardwired logo, but with piss and blood behind it. That's <laughs> it's going to be re-hardwired to reconstruct. Hmm. Well, like well, they, they did blood and cum, piss and blood. They can do like snot and pus. <laughs> they can do, you know. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's gonna be something. Yeah, I don't I, know. I think it's gonna be more of that direction, you know. And it's it's like to to your point, right? It's more for the ad now, so they're gonna get um an ad agency, I think, in there. The music will. I I I would like to see something though tied with the music, like yeah. at least Death Magnetic had that, you know. And, yeah. And um, right, like I said, I feel like Hardwired lacked that. So mm-hmm. I, I I I appreciate that about their most of their album cover. So I'm hoping it kind of ties in with the the direction at least of the record, if not directly to a song title or lyric symbolism or what have you. Right, and I would also have James involved and have James kind of yeah. take the reins and be like, all right, here's what I'm thinking since, you know, he writes all the lyrics, you know, he basically writes all the riffs and helps compose all the songs. Like, he would have insight. Absolutely. You know? And if you wanted to really throw a fucking curveball in there, have James design it because James is an artist. He doodles. Yeah. You know, it's he, he does very interesting sketches, mm-hmm. you know, but I think you know that could be like a, a cool like, I don't know like inner sleeve thing if they ever do that or like a cover like a like a single or something. Yeah. You know that that could be interesting because he also designed the scary guy too. Yeah. So. But. Yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to to really tell like what would be that next album cover design, what direction will go in. You know, I would just one. I just hope the songs are good. Too, I hope it comes out within my lifetime. Yeah. You know, I was gonna say, do we find out in 2022? I don't know. I mean, they they plan on playing a couple of festivals in the next few weeks mm-hmm. and months, so it would be a good time to play some new songs, and they can go a couple ways. They can do like you know what they did, you know, '95, where they played you know fully, basically fully finished songs. They can do what they did in 2006 and play the other song working. Yeah. Yeah. The new, the 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 new and other song, like like the works in progress, or they're going to do like Lords of summer, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's kind of worked on, but kind of not like they have some options. Do I think they're going to do that? I don't even know. Yeah. I'm not expecting anything new until maybe, Maybe next year, fingers crossed. And if, if we get it in 2022, anything new, 
I'm expecting to be later in the year. These guys are notorious for taking their time. And uh, it, I, I believe that, I mean, they have definitely started, but I wouldn't, I, I really question how far in the process they are. I'm hoping they're far, but yeah. I, I would be surprised. Um, but fingers crossed. And, you know, when when they do have the new album, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on the album cover. <laughs> yeah. Nick, where can everybody mm-hmm. find you? Um, not on my house, please. Like, don't come knocking on my door. I'm I'm right outside right now. So, are you gonna answer the door? I mean, it's, no. do you know how weird it is for me to be on your front steps with a microphone and headphones? Your neighbors are giving me weird looks. Nick, can you please let me in? Uh, fuck my neighbors. Listen, listen it's. Like ninety degrees out, dude. I'm sweating, sweating butts. Uh, oh god, I'm walking <laughs> uh, You can find me basically on Instagram at Nick McCoviak. I'm on Twitter, the same handle there. I don't really post too much on Twitter. I'm on Facebook at the art of Nick, art of Nick McCoviak. Um, you can just Google my ass and find me. It's I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a hard guy to find. You're more of a Twitter creeper. You don't post a lot, but I'll see you right, like yeah. like stuff. I'm like, oh, he's creeping around. He's reading. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, like I'll reply like one to it's like one or two things a day. But I'm like, Twitter is a cesspool of just like human, you know, nastiness. I'm like, you gotta, oh, you got to find your favorites, find a little circle, and stay in those in that safety zone. Because once you venture out. You're just gonna get mad. Oh, I do, I, I do, and everyone's everyone's pissing each other off. I'm like, oh fuck Twitter! I don't have, <laughs> I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, I'll like things and retweet them, and I'm like, I don't, I don't have time to engage with people. <laughs> like I had, I had one person like, I, I critiqued a Godzilla versus Kong poster because I, I, you know, how I love God dare you, things. sir? I know, and I was saying like, they're like, oh, this is awesome, and I'm like. I don't know. It looks kind of like Godzilla's leg looks kind of weird in his pose underwater with Kong. Like it's, I like the concept. I don't think it was yeah. that well executed. As one guy was like, "What the fuck are you talking about? This is an awesome. This is an awesome poster." <laughs> like, all right, I'm not even gonna engage. I'm not, I'm not even gonna bother because that's not. It's not well, worth my energy. Now with social media, of everybody with an opinion who feels like they need to share their opinion and who's not open. And most of them not being open to anybody else's opinion because their opinion is now fact. So, yeah, and you know, and opinions are like assholes. You know, everyone has has them, and they all stink. <laughs> and on that note, Nick, open your door, let me in, and let's uh, right. let's have a nightcap, and uh, we'll go right. snuggle. All right, sounds good to me. Right, You're on the couch, though. <laughs> I'll take it. Big Zick. You're welcome.
A huge thank you to Nick McCovey for coming back on Metallicast and talking about all the album covers of all the Metallica studio albums. This was a really insightful conversation. He is a, just a knowledgeable guy when it comes to the world of art, and it's always a pleasure speaking to him about art and Metallica and teaching and kids and everything else that we have in common. If you uh, would like to, please check out the links in the episode description. Give Nick a follow on social media. Like I said at the start of this episode, this is my last one for a few months. I am about to have a baby. I have guest hosts stepping in, though. I'm going to be doing one or two new episodes a month for the next few months with friends of mine stepping in, taking my spot in a series I'm calling Metallicast, My Friends of Misery. So I hope you enjoy those episodes. I will be back in time, I'm hoping to celebrate the four-year anniversary of this podcast in the month of December. So in a few months, I will hopefully be making my triumphant return. Make sure you follow me on social media at Metallicaspot on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more information about my epic return and about all the My Friends and Misery episodes that will be released in the meantime. Please check out the links in the, episode, in the episode description for Bison out of the UK, my favorite one-man band, Mr. Hector Castro, who provided all the original music and arrangements for this year's podcast, including the epic Creeping Death intro that I love so much. If you're new to the podcast, subscribe, download, leave a positive five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All that goes a long way in helping this podcast continue to grow. And if you're torn with what... Metallica podcast to download. Do yourself a favor, download them all. But download Metallica's first. Um, and definitely not the Metallica podcast. Just focus on the Metallica podcast. Well, I'm, I'm not going to go into it all again. Just please download, subscribe. I need it. I need it. Oh, oh wait. I've got to get myself together. I cannot go out crying. Got to keep it metal. Next time, ladies and gentlemen, mill up your ass. Yeah! Fans, not experts.